Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Somos Mas, the official podcast of Somos Mas and M, and your source for latest news and notes on New Mexico United. My name, of course, is Seth Biddle. Thank you guys so much for joining us here live on our social media feeds as we do every single week. Joining me tonight, as always, Earl Nieto. Uh, we've got so much to get to. Uh, we do have a little bit of housekeeping before we jump into the show. Uh, first and foremost, uh, thank you guys so much for joining us. We appreciate you all being here throughout the season. It's been a great year. We've had a lot of great interaction with a lot of folks, and we appreciate appreciate you guys showing up as you do every week, whether it's here live uh, when we do the show or whether it's in the in your podcast feeds. We appreciate all the support you guys have shown us. And so, uh, you know, we're looking forward to what's going to be going on here in the next uh, few months and into the next season. We have a lot that uh, we're not quite ready to disclose yet, but we do have some things that we're going to be working on. We're going to have a, we're going to have uh, some more content coming for you guys. We got some different things that we're working on. And uh, that being said, we are looking for content creators. If you're interested in writing for the website, if you're interested in potentially being part of the podcast, we're doing uh, a separate show with us. Uh, we've got a lot of things up in the air, a lot of things that we could potentially do. If you are interested in any of that, please reach out to us either through social media or through our email addresses, and we will get back to you. Um, none of this is paid. Uh, we pay for all of this out of our own pockets. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, I've got like two more two. I think we got three more months, four more months on the on the website before that's due. Uh, so yeah, we pay for everything. We make no money off of all this. We do this for love of the of the club, love of sport, and so we, you know, again, if you're interested in joining us, that's where we're at. Um, it, you know, just something fun, something we enjoy doing uh, each and every weekend. So we've got uh, we've got so much to get to. We really, we really do. We've got a lot. And uh, before we get into the show proper, I do have one burning question for you Earl and if Jacob joins us we'll, we'll ask this to him too how does it feel to be a world champion see I wouldn't know but hey did you know the most streamed <laughs> Spotify single is Harry Styles girl crush I did not know that now I know so you guys missed my my random fact last week because I was out vacationing um from Seth and Jacob because these white hairs I've been getting are not from my job they're actually from the guy chugging some kind of, I'm assuming, lemonade or maybe alcoholic beverage. God only knows what what Seth drinks over there. Um. So, yeah, so while I was gone out last week, you guys missed my random fact. Um, I didn't get a chance to tune in because <clears throat> turns out it's an hour extra where I was at. And with these guys recording so freaking late and these guys being freaking robots... I can only stay for so long. So I, I decided not even to join. In fact, I was probably asleep by this time last week. Um, so to answer your question, how does it feel to be a world champion? I don't know because I'm a Cowboys fan. <laughs> I'm also a Cubs fan. I'm fairly and certain you weren't even alive last time the Cowboys won a championship. Actually, I was. I was two years old. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so do I remember the last time they won? No. But so how does it feel to be a world champ? I don't know because all my professional fan base that I follow are not any good except for the 2012 Miami Heat um, and 13 Miami Heat. But that's beyond the point. Now, they, <laughs> now they're terrible and I'm a Nashville Predators fan. So they're also terrible. And I'm a Dallas Cowboys fan who are doing decent this year but they're still terrible in years past. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm a Cubs fan who took about a billion years to win a World Series. So I, I can I can tell you how it feels. How does it feel, Seth? Oh, it feels fantastic, man. I, let me tell you, you know, it's been a long time coming. I was I was 10 the last time the Braves won a World Series. I was 10. I remember. Like, I remember that whole run up to it. I remember starting in 90-91, worst to first season. I remember watching the World Series with my dad that year. I remember the 92 series. I remember the Braves against the against the Blue Jays. I, I have some some memories that just, like, gnaw at me, even to this day. You know, Kent Herbeck is a dirty cheater. Uh, you know, losing to, you know, with lose, winning the series in 95, losing to the Yankees in four in 96, losing in 99. Like it, there's a infield fly rule against the fucking St. Louis Cardinals, man. There's a lot of bad memories. And, you know, as good as we were in the nineties and early two thousands, it's been a long time. Like it really has. Could it possibly be because you're just an Atlanta fan? <laughs> you know, Atlanta sports has a long history of not doing well, of not having championships. And Atlanta, the Atlanta Braves were the first team to bring one in. And so, you know, that was fantastic. 95 was absolutely fantastic. And, you know, it was like 22 straight seasons of making the playoffs, like 15 straight pennants for the Braves. So, like, it was just unbelievable, the run that they had. And so seeing the down years in the early 2010s, you know, watching the club go through what they did and the rebuild job that they had to do this year, midseason after Ronald Acuna goes down, losing Marcelo Zuna, Mike Soroka, um, you know, Tukey not having a great year. Like, we did so many fantastic things this year, and it feels absolutely incredible. I mean, nobody outside of Atlanta predicted the Braves to win this. I mean, I think there were like two talking heads on ESPN that predicted Braves to win the series once they made it. I think there were two or three that predicted them to beat the Dodgers when they were there. And famously, Bill Plaschke tried to take on all of the South and Waffle House, and he's going to live to regret that for quite a while, calling Truist Park a sterile stadium because there's no one there. They had 40,000 people in and in and around the stadium last night. So watching the game while I was in Houston. I would still call it a sterile stadium because technically you guys had a chance to close it out in Truist Park mm-hmm. and you guys blew it. You guys blew it. <laughs> 3 1 lead going to a 3 2 lead. You know what? In a game that we, I, we weren't even ex- expecting ourselves to win, we weren't expecting a win in that. I mean, I mean, we, I wasn't expecting you guys to get that far. Um, yeah, that's that's beyond the point. I mean, but, well, I mean, an eighty-eight team, an eighty-eight win team shouldn't win the World Series, right? Exactly. <laughs> that's my point. That's like the nine and seven freaking Giants beating the sixteen and zero Patriots. It's improbable. Like it's not supposed to happen. Yeah. On any sports stage, let alone the World Series. But that's 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 pushing back from what I was trying to say. That Truist Park is still sterile because you guys <laughs> lost a game clinching game in Truist Park by like seven to what was it seven to one seven to two. We took we we also took two of three in Atlanta. Or was it seven zero? It uh, well, hold on hold on hold on was it was it seven zero? The the clinching game was seven nothing. Yes, we didn't okay. lose. So you yeah. guys. 
You guys lost by seven at home in a game clinching match that you guys could have rose the freaking trophy at home. So yes, could have. yes. Truist Park is still sterile. <laughs> we went six and one at home in the postseason. Six and one. So that one was the one that mattered. Who won the series? It doesn't freaking matter. It freaking matters. It absolutely freaking matters. Six and one at home in the postseason. Uh, Will Smith posted six saves. No other closer in the entire postseason recorded more than one. He had a 0.00 ERA. Fantastic performance by him. Tyler Matzik was un, was absolutely unhittable the entire series, the entire postseason, really. And then if you look at what the Braves did, you know, we didn't we basically we pitched a it was a bullpen game in game four, bullpen game in game five, because our starting our our number two pitcher had a fractured fibula. I will give it to him though. I mean, to play freaking game on a fractured fibula. He went and for those played. of you who don't know what the fibula is, you can either Google it or not, because I'm going to explain to you where it's at. It's your freaking shin. So the dude is pitching off his shin, which is fractured, and wins the damn game. Yeah. His his performance in that was absolutely incredible. You know, to see him can just even continue for the time that he was in there was absolutely astounding. And that's not something that you're going to see from really anybody. And then, you know, he was out there. He got out some of the best hitters in the game this season. Like just shut him down, which was absolutely so, incredible. I just realized something. Is that a baseball trophy behind you? Oh, this? Yeah, that, that's my Hank Aaron statuette. Oh, dear God. <laughs> what, the, what the fuck did I sign up for today? <laughs> oh, yeah. Here, let me, let me, uh, yeah, let me show you. Let me, let me do this. Where is it? Of all weeks to not be on vacation, yeah, here let me it had you. to have been this one. Actually, yeah, see, this is my Hank Aaron statuette. Man, so for those of you watching, um, because we do have a couple people, and we have four people watching on Facebook right now, Seth was just showing off his participation trophy for watching the World Series at home <laughs> because he didn't make the flight out to a Truist Park. Because he was afraid they were going to lose because it's an Atlanta team who managed to blow a 3-1 lead and also blow a 28-3 lead. So this was this is possible that we're not talking about the Atlanta Braves winning the World Series tonight. And we're actually talking about a Game 7, which would be happening tonight. Um, which that, would be happening, except the series is done and over, and the Braves are the World but Series that's, champions. That's beyond the point. We have more important <laughs> things to fry tonight, <laughs> such as why Earl's wearing freaking glasses. Yes, you are wearing glasses. That I'm is trying different. to be like Seth. I'm trying to be like yeah. Seth and Jacob. Um, I was to look odd, smart tonight. I was the oddball, uh, oddball guy out, the odd guy out, um, where... Seth wears glasses. Jacob wears glasses. I can wear glasses, obviously, but I didn't. So I decided to put my contacts in or take my contacts out and put on these big old honkers for, for a week. <laughs> well, I got to say, it, it does make you look a little bit, you know, older than the 18 that you are. So I was actually going for the Clark, the Clark Kent look. Okay. Because obviously I wear a necktie. And a button-up shirt for work. Mm -hmm. 
So it was brought up to me yesterday that I look like Clark Kent, minus the beard. Um, had I not had the beard, it was probably a Superman look. So I, I like pulled off a button and I was kind of like showing like a Superman look. And then my manager walked by and he was like, what the fuck are you doing? (laughs) Earl, you're not supposed to get undressed in the office. Needless to say, I'm a fun guy at work. Um, (laughs) So if you're looking for a job, I know a place. Yeah, yeah, there you go. If you're uh, if you're here in the state, obviously looking for a job, yes. hit up Earl. Yeah, because uh, he work he does work for the state, so you know we try not to get him in too much trouble. Yeah, it's whatever. <laughs> but a- right. as you were saying, we we do have a lot to talk about, a lot of important things, and and uh, you know I, I want to start off the the meat and potatoes of our show by uh, giving our our best wishes to Amado Moreno. Uh, he did have his ACL uh, surgery today. The club posted the video after he came out of his procedure. And so now he begins the the long road of recovery from that. So uh, next steps, we don't know yet. Uh, I imagine there's a period of recovery time after the surgery itself before he can even start to rehab his knee. So uh, our, all of our thoughts and wishes go out with Amando and pray for a speedy recovery from that for him. So uh, let's j- just get that out there. Um, on to other things. The New Mexico United season is over. Uh, they did play on Saturday night, played a pretty darn good game against uh, Real Monarchs. And unfortunately, El Paso shot the bed. Uh, how that happened, I don't know, uh, other than getting completely outplayed from from what I saw of the match. And so because of the loss to RGV by El Paso on Saturday night. New Mexico United did miss out on the playoffs this season for the first time in club history, uh, which is unfortunate. Um, you know, uh, we had, Chris Weehan did, of course, pick up another brace, bringing, I believe him, I believe it's uh, 11 goals now, 10 or 11 goals now since rejoining the club. And so he just had a, he's had a fantastic half of the season since, since coming back and made team of the week honors once again. Um, so yeah, week, back to back yeah. weeks. Yeah. Second consecutive week. So yeah, Bees has been, we've talked about since he came back. Bees has just been an absolute game, absolute game changer for us. And, you know, we're glad to have him back. We're glad to have him under contract for another two more years. And, and so, you know, now begins the, the long process of the off season and, and figuring out what happens next for the club. And, and so Earl, what are your thoughts on, the season finale. Did you get a chance to go back and watch it? Uh, or did you watch it live on Saturday while you were at Yeah, town? I watched it. I watched it live um, because we did make it. Where the fuck were we that we watched it? So, no, uh, I did not watch the match. Yeah, I did. I know you're keeping tabs on the El Paso one, but I wasn't sure if you were, if you had a chance to watch ours or not. Yeah, I watched it. I did watch it. Uh, we played a really good game because I got back in time for that. I got back home at 4.45. So I got back just in time to watch the game. Um, I thought we played incredible. Uh, I did say two weeks ago that I would never say what I wanted to say or what I never wanted to say again. So I'm not going to say that. Um. But overall, we played incredible. 
And I do believe, and it's still my strong feeling, that El Paso and Jerry, I know you're not watching tonight because you're a jackass, for one. Uh, just kidding. Love you. Uh, so I know Jerry's not watching right now, which is a downfall. But I still feel like El Paso threw that match, and they didn't lose clean. I feel like they tried to play the rival card and throw the match because they knew it would cost us. But whatever. You know what? Now we have time to rest. Um, looking at where we're at right now, uh, it couldn't have come at a better time. Because obviously with the news with Dev, the news with uh, uh, Mondo, we were already hurting as it was. Mm-hmm. So we said it a couple weeks ago that we would hate to go in and get blown out the very first the very first round. So luckily for us we get to avoid that. Because now we won't play Phoenix with two of our strikers out where we're relying on midfielders and wingers to try to score for us. So I'm okay with not making the playoffs because we won't get blown out by Phoenix. It sucks that it happened the way it did. I mean, I would much rather just lost the match and that be where we're at instead of having to rely on a team, face our rival, and our rival just decide to shit themselves. Not even the bed, just shit themselves. Yeah, that's about how it looked for El Paso on the pitch Saturday night. It just, it was so strange. Like going into Saturday night, you know, in 2019, all the deciding matches, at least, were scheduled at the same time. So you didn't have this staggered start time. No one knew what was going on or, you know, where they stood, you know, say if a match ended prior to theirs. But this was just weird, having all the different start times. And then, you know, we're up in the box, uh, you know, watching the game that we have on the field. You got the World Series up on the TV. And, you know, it's... Um, it was just, it was a weird night. It was just a weird feeling. And, and we were talking about it in the press box as as good as the play was on the pitch, as good as we looked against Monarchs, it just didn't feel the same. Like the buzz in the stadium didn't seem to be as loud, despite the being our third, I think it was our third highest crowd of the season. And I don't know, maybe it was, Maybe it was people just looking at at it ahead of time, saying, "Okay, this is this is it," you know, not really ex- expecting us to to make the playoffs. But I don't know what it was. Like I was, I, I couldn't help but be impressed with the level of play on the pitch. But the, just the energy didn't feel the same. So at I was not the match. Um, I watched it from home, which I was perfectly okay with because I did have a twelve-hour road trip before that. Yeah. So I was perfectly okay with it. Um. And you're right. Watching it and thinking back to the match now, the buzz wasn't there. The magic minute, it was loud, but it wasn't what it should have been, especially with 9,500-plus people. Um, And what it could have been, and it's just me thinking what it could have been, is they knew that we wouldn't have another home game. Because we're the fourth seed, we're playing the entire playoffs on the road. 
So we're going to Phoenix. We're going to El Paso. We're going to whatever team makes it out of the West into the into the conference championships. And even if we were to get past that part, we're still going on the road because it's the Eastern Conference and it's more than likely going to either be Louisville or Tampa Bay. Yeah. So those are one seed. So we're definitely traveling East Coast. So, yeah, so I think the crowd just knew that this was the end of at least the, the home games. So it was, it was a bittersweet moment to be able to watch your team win, obviously, because that's what you go to games to do is watch your team win. But in the back of their mind, they also knew that, well, shit, this is the last one until next year, which I think is March. I'm hoping it's March. Yeah, I think that's what we're expecting. I think next year we'll see far less of an impact from COVID. We did, we, we obviously started late this year and we had the compact schedule. And I think we won't have that next year. I certainly hope we don't because – the way that the schedule played out, especially towards the end with all the weeks of, you know, three matches in seven days and things like that, which I think definitely hurt us down the stretch or is one of the things that hurt us down the stretch. Like, I just, I can't see that happening again next year. And so see in those three matches in seven days, we've done that before. Yeah. So it's not bad. What hurt us was, yeah, those three matches in seven days, without two of our strikers. So we essentially had Mm -hmm. to go with our third string quarterback to try to carry us on goals. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's going to be tough for any team. You know, it does. I don't care. By the way, that's, that's not taking anything away from Ilya Illich because I love the dude. Incredible human. Loved having him this season. I hope we have him for next season as much as Jacob doesn't want him next season. I hope we have him next season. Because he definitely proved, especially this last month, that he's a reliable sub. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, like I was saying, it it doesn't matter what team you are. You can be Phoenix, you can be San Diego, you can be El Paso, you can be Birmingham. I don't care what team you are. If you're missing your two starting strikers, like, you're going to have some difficulty in, in handling that. And it's unfortunate that the injuries happened so late that you couldn't go out and sign somebody. Now, like if it is, if it had happened in you know May, June, July, August, you can, you still have time to go out and sign a striker and bring them in. And even September. Well, yeah, even September. You know, but you know, just looking at when the when the roster freeze date is, you know, like when you, when you don't have the opportunity to go out and replace those players, it makes it all the more difficult. And, you know, again, Ilya is a guy that he, he showed us that he can score. You know, we did have some concern about throughout the season, but you know, he came in the last couple, last couple of matches, he played really well. And I felt like he, he put himself into position to, to score and to create a difference on the, on the pitch. And so when you have a guy like that, there's always a hope that you're going to put a couple past an opponent and, you know, fortunately, you know, we we had enough between bees and the other midfielders in terms of their presence and their attacking capability to keep the pressure on Monarch Saturday night and gave ourselves the three points to close out the season. 
Yeah, and I think it's an eye opener for Troy, and I hope it is. Um, to not put all your money into one position. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we went out and we signed Serge. Yeah, we went out and signed Ilya. Yeah, we went out and signed. We re-signed Nod, we re-signed Bees, we re-signed Salih, we re-signed Tenari, we re-signed... That's the entire midfield. Right. Jerry! Oh my god, Jerry, you are <laughs> definitely... You're not late to the party because we work on Jerry time. Um, welcome, Jerry. I I don't know what to say to you after you showed that you have... I have free rent in your head. I appreciate that. Um, I don't know how my name got brought up in that conversation. And I, I don't even know what to say about that, Jerry. Anyways, that's what I was <laughs> saying. Uh, yeah, so I'm hoping that that opened Troy's eyes that not to put all your money and all your eggs into one position and definitely spread the wealth, especially – I know, Jerry. I know. I love you too. Um, especially knowing that you have older strikers with Dev, with Ilya, if they resign him. Um, and Mondo, who isn't going to be a spring chicken next year, that's for sure. I mean, he tore his freaking ACL. So we definitely won't have him for at least a start. So definitely looking at some strikers going into the season even if it's like a temporary loan or short-term loan or whatever we can get just to cover that. So I'm hoping that that opened Troy's eyes to, even if you do go sign some midfielders, um, find someone that can play maybe center forward where they can actually score or um, or just take care of himself. And Jerry, to answer your, answer your question, where's Jacob? Um my night to take care of him and it's not Seth's so I'm assuming it was your night to take care of him <laughs> so I don't know where Jacob's at I'm gonna be honest yeah, uh, Jacob Texas a little while ago he uh, he worked late tonight and so um, they were just getting done with dinner and things like that so he was gonna call an early night and head to bed so that's where Jacob is tonight um, we'd hope to have all three of us here uh, it was actually his idea to go tonight instead of last night so uh yeah he's unfortunately not here um he should be back with us next episode so uh yeah just me and earl tonight um but you know earl to your point that this should you think this is gonna be an eye-opening moment for troy not putting all the money in one basket and i i I think it's fair to say that the money was fairly well spread around uh, among the different positions. Like we didn't necessarily, you know, go too heavy on, on, on one area. Yes. We brought back Naj mid season. We brought back Sully. We brought, brought, brought back bees, but I mean, I think those were necessary moves and no one goes into a season thinking you're going to lose your top two strikers, you know, and, and it's really unfortunate, you know, because, Dev getting Dev having his health issues, Amando turning ACL, and then you've got before either of those happened, you know, we loaned Brian Brown back out, and Ilya really hadn't shown too much. So, I don't think it's a matter of putting all the money in one basket. And going forward, 
you know, Troy's not going to be the only one scouting. We're going to have Itamar, we're going to have Coach Heather, you're going to have other folks in there working that technical side, bringing in and looking at new talent, guys that we haven't seen before. And that's something I was actually talking to, to David Carl about the other day. You know, he's actually, um, I'm not really, I'm not really like uh, spoiling anything, but I'm working with David's going to work with us to get, a, get an interview set up with Itamar. So we can talk to him and, you know, look at his experience and talk to him about the things that he sees. So we're, we may see guys in the future from leagues that we're not familiar with at all, which I think could be really interesting. And we have to go back and remember year one, Troy said that they wanted that they wanted to develop guys and move them on. And so how many, how many players were going to develop and move on to MLS? I don't know, but we're, we're not going to see the same guys year in and year, necessarily year in and year out. I mean, it's been nice to have a core consistency, a core group, because I help that. I think that helps tie in what Troy wants to do. And when you bring in new people, it helps them understand the system better. But yeah, I just, we're, yeah, we're definitely going to spend on, on striker in the offseason. Forward is a, a definite position of need. You know, I mentioned it before. I think Christian is someone that can compete for a starting spot. I don't think he's going to start every match, um, especially with him being as young as he is, uh, and depending on if he goes on to college. Um, but I think he, he's a possibility. But even with that, we don't know what Dev's future holds. I Personally, I think he may hang him up. I mean, I would hate to see it, but he's expressed a desire to remain with the club in some capacity, no matter what. Amando's going to be out until probably June, July, August, somewhere in there. And yeah, right now, the only forward we have under contract, and honestly, I don't even think Ilya's under contract anymore. It may have just been the one-year deal, is Ilya. So there's a there's a very real chance that we only have two hurt strikers under contract right now. So, I mean, we're going to have to throw money at that position to begin with. I think we're going to have to make some changes in the midfield. Uh, you know, B is obviously under contract till 2023. Tanari, I would love to see him come back. Um, JPG, I think it's time for him to go. He did look better the past few weeks than he has all season, but I think it's time to move on from him. Uh, Mike Azira hasn't really quite worked out as well as we thought he would. Brian Brown didn't work out as well as we thought, as well as he thought, as we thought he, uh, Brian Brown didn't work out as well as we thought he would. And so I can see some changes coming. I really can see. And I'm, uh, this is going to kill me. I'm okay with us keeping JPG. I am. What? Yes. I am. I've done a lot of soul searching this past week. Okay. Um, you have a soul? I guess. <laughs> I, I guess. But yeah, so like I'm saying, I'm okay with JPG staying as long as he's not a consistent starter week in, week out, week in, week out. Mm-hmm. When there's other players on the pit, on, on the bench, that can come in and take that spot like Daniel Bruce or Salim Muhammad who can come in and fill that role that JPG can do. Um, so 
yes, I am okay with JPG coming back. Um, do I think he hangs it up sometime soon? Yeah, I don't think he has much left in the gas tank. I know for a fact that Micah Zero doesn't have much left in the gas tank. Um, do I love Micah Zero to death? Was I excited when he when he got signed? Yeah. Uh, Jerry, Jerry. So, Seth, Jerry has a question. <laughs> Yeah, so this this so, is a big one here. Um, I really had. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was saying, I really hadn't planned on addressing at that one tonight, but we can go ahead and start to get into it. Um, because I I really feel like this question here from Jerry. What question? Uh, so, question: What do you guys think are the reasons NMU failed this year? This is one that's going to need a, a lot of deeper discussion. It really is. So. From a high level perspective, watching the club and as being as someone who is, I consider myself a student of the game, a, a student of of tactics and understanding what Troy wanted to do to do this year within, the, especially within this particular system. I feel like what happened this year was just the biggest issue to me was a lack of consistency. That's the big thing. Um, we didn't consistently get scoring out of our front two. Uh, Amando had had spurts where he did really well. Dev had Dev had moments, not quite as big as Amando's were, but he had moments. Brian Brown never really showed up. You know, we had a lot of opportunities in the first half of the season where we just didn't get the ball over the line or like you see like two to three minutes in a match where there's just a mental lapse somewhere. You know, one of the, the, I think it was the second match against El Paso where we surrendered two goals in, in a minute and a half, just complete mental lapse there, you know, and you know, times it ends the end at the end of the game where you think we're going to walk away with the, or the three points and, you know, give up some like random fluke goal, you know, and some of those you can't even put on Alex, you know, because deflections and things like that, but high level, like it's consistency. We didn't play consistent enough throughout the year, which is where we dropped points in the areas that we shouldn't have, you know, you, and the, you know, we can talk about loud and, you know, and, and what that meant, but, as a whole, our out-of-division play was not good. Yeah, we beat Charleston. Great. You know, uh, we played Loose City. I, I honestly didn't expect to beat Loose City at any point this season. Loose City has been a perennial contender within the league. You know, I thought we played well against San, well enough against San Diego. Uh, obviously, you know, Armando got hurt during that match. Um, we didn't play well enough at, at Phoenix. We didn't play well enough uh, in our other out of division matches. So, yeah, I mean, again, yeah, that's my word consistency. That's the big reason that we failed this year. And for me, um, Jerry, by the way, that's a great question. Um, so happy you didn't make it in tonight. That way we can get these tough questions asked for us. Um, for me, just looking through the glass, not really diving into it head a bunch of research into it. Um, 
just the mental lapses. We had huge mental lapses that led to lack of confidence that led to the other team scoring. It happened on more than one occasion to where we, it happened uh, for, for example, El Paso. We gave up two goals in a minute and 10 seconds. I think it was, um, we let you guys, we let El Paso score the first one and then beat ourselves up for the next 52 seconds. And let El Paso score a second one and gave them the lead. And then we just didn't have the confidence to get right back into the game and put that second one in. Um, so that's mine. It's a lot shorter than what uh, than what Seth said. But yeah, my answer is the mental lapses leading to lack of confidence. And this is definitely something that we're going to go deeper on throughout the, the offseason. This isn't a, I mean, it, it's not a quick conversation by any means. And to your next comment here, Jerry, uh, my opinion is that the coach uh, is the coach because NMU doesn't have a bad team, but I think the coach can't take out the player's full potential. Now, I have two different viewpoints on this. One, Chris Weehan. Chris Weehan came in and absolutely dominated for half the season once he came back. Like he was by far the best player out there. And in our conversations with Chris and with Troy, like bees understands this system inside and out. He knows where to play. He knows where to be. He knows what his role is within this system. And so as a part of that, I think Troy has absolutely unlocked bees because if you compare the second half of the season, when he came back to when he was out in San Diego, you know, or not San Diego, um, Orange County. County. Yeah. Orange County. Look at where he was with Orange County, like playing off the wing and all this kind of stuff. And, you know, while we, while our team sheet showed him lining up off the wing, look at his typical position. Like his heat maps, he's basically in the middle of the pitch. Now, yes, he can play off the wing, but that's not his forte. And so you'll see bees typically drift towards the middle and put himself into a position where he can either, you know, basically act as a false nine and take, take heat off of the strikers or he can come from that attacking midfield role and just drive the ball forward and put himself in a position to score himself or, you know, play it off to someone else. So if you saw the entire half, second half of the season. So I think from that perspective, B's, you know, B's potential was being fulfilled. And, you know, Troy putting him in, bring him back into the system. Troy understands, you know, what he's doing with or Troy understands how to play bees in the system. Bees understands how to play within the system. And so to unlock that from him is one way to look at that. Another way to look at that question is you look at Amando when he was here. Now I know he spent a lot of time in and out of the lineup due to national call-ups and things like that, which I thought was great for him, you know, professionally. But his play was so inconsistent when he was here that 
Troy wasn't able to unlock that. He wasn't able to unlock Moreno's potential. Like after Moreno came back from his first international call up, if you watch the way he was playing, like he was, he was very indecisive on the ball. And when he did that, he was trying to do too much and was putting himself into bad positions. Now, I think some of that has to do with, with the game plan or the, the formation that we had set up at the, that we were running at that time, because you, you weren't, because Amando really wasn't getting the support that he needed. And so Amando's full potential wasn't being unlocked by this. Same thing for looking, when you look at guys like, uh, uh, I would say, oh gosh, you know, it's even hard. It's hard. To, I was going to try to pick out one of the defenders, but I mean, the defenders all played really well. Like I would, I would say that they, they stepped up above and beyond this year, time after time. But yeah, let's look at the midfield. Look at the midfield and the forwards I, where you where you have those discrepancies and whether a player is hitting their potential or not. The other person that does come to mind on your potential and bringing out a team's potential is Devin Sandoval. Dev was three to four steps behind what he was last year. Maybe five to six steps what he was behind or behind what he was 2019. Um, and it could be just Dev aging. Dev's not a young a young buck anymore. I mean, he's pushing at least 30 somewheres. 28 to 30. He's in that range for sure. I think Dev's um, 32. Is he might exactly so he's probably over I I'm not sure how old Dev is. I wish I knew because he's one of my favorites. He's 30. I apologize. 30. Okay. So I was right. He was pushing or he, he's walking on 30 right now. Um, he just could not get started is what it was. He had what? Five goals, six five goals, goals? Yeah. five goals. Two of those were off of penalties, which is almost a definite uh, gimme shot is what that is. It's like putting from two feet out. It's, it's a gimme. Um, so he's my the first person that comes to my mind when untapped potential is hit or is talked about is dev because he was definitely a few steps behind and was not clicking on what was going on for sure. And, and to, to Jerry's last couple comments, uh, Chris, we was already Chris. We before we came, you know, Chris was absolutely a, a talent before he came here. He was, I mean, there, there's no denying that. I just think watching the way that he played before he came to New Mexico and watching the way that he developed in this system, I feel like Chris really took a huge step forward. Start when he first started playing under Troy. And then coming back this season, like he just like he he just took over. And I think he he he's really shown a lot more. Than what he had the than what he's had the opportunity to do uh, in Orange County and other places, and as to Moreno, uh, Moreno had I'm going to bring your this comment right back up here. Moreno has so many qualities that Troy doesn't even use a speed as like a speed and dribbling. And so, like I can see this, I can see this at times. Like there were times where we would try to play the ball over the top for him, and we just it just didn't work. And so I think that's where some of that didn't come into play, or we didn't see a lot of that. 
But at the same time, like that technical ability that Amondo has, like when you did see those bursts of speed, when you did see that technical dribbling ability and getting into the box, like he would, like I said, he would, he would turn so indecisive. And we've, we talked about this in earlier episodes. Like if he would just stop with the dribbling and the ticky tack and, you know, trying to find that perfect shot, if he would just put himself into a position to where he can get a quality shot, not a perfect shot, but a quality shot, which he had many, many opportunities to do throughout the season. He would have, he probably would have been, you know, 10 plus goals and been seen as a much bigger threat. Instead, you know, he would, he would take that ability, get down there and get indecisive. And you'd see him like, just kind of like dribbling around, trying to get around people and get himself into trouble and, you know, give the ball away or, you know, put, take a bad shot. So that's the thing. Okay. Oh, (laughs) this one here, Troy wants to use the back line of three in the back. Okay. So to this point, Jerry, we had our best defensive season to date. Like I get it. Three at the back, especially when they're not like terribly pacey is not a good look, but this was our best defensive season to date. I think I truly think Austin Gearwood is going to be team of the year. And while we did have some issues, like just if you watch the, the recoveries that we made, some of the defensive plays that we made, like our back three was pretty solid and playing in the three, four, three, like we did, you know, we're often dropping into five at the back just because of how that, how those wingbacks play. And so when I think that, you know, with the three, like when you've got, you know, Rosh, Kalen, and, and Yearwood at the back, those are our three strongest defenders. Like if you try to, I mean, I'm not going to throw Alex Tushin there as, as a, you know, as a center back against some of these teams, uh, you know, as a second center back, or even as a, you know, as an outside back, I'm not going to do that. Like he, he is unproven. He's untested. He, like he's, he doesn't have the, the ability that the other guys do. Justin Schmidt is, was nowhere near as good as he was in the first two seasons. Like Schmidt came into, into camp this season. And he was a tank. Like he looked like he had trimmed down in terms of like actual, like body fat, but like he was big. And so like he doesn't, Justin Schmidt doesn't have the pace you know, he didn't have the decision-making ability. And I'll even say that, you know, Kalen Ryan's decision-making wasn't great 100% of the time. But I feel like our back three was unbelievably good this year. Yeah, and I'm the same way. Uh, those, the back three, even when we had Schmidt in there, he was definitely reliable. So when Rosh was down on his knock, he was definitely reliable. When Austin went down for his ghost red card um, and couldn't finish that match, and Schmidt came in to cover in, he played good. Schmidt is still a definite go-to on a defensive line. Um, those three that we had out there a majority of the time with Yearwood and Kalen and Rosh, I would put those three 
up against anyone in the USL. Anyone. Including El Paso and Carrijo and Luna and all those other youngsters that have a lot of speed. I would still put our three up against anyone and not be worried. Uh, to the last question here, right here. This, this is a good question here. You guys don't believe in hashtag Troy out. Nope. I, I'm solidly against hashtag Troy out. Like, I think most clubs are going to throw out the 2020 season. You know, throughout 2020, COVID, weird season, you know, we allowed 18 goals in 16 games last year. This year, we let we ended up allowing 40 goals in 32 matches. So <clears throat> it works out about the same. We, I think I, I want to say, I'm double-checking the stats here, uh, we had, I believe, more clean sheets this season than we did last season, and absolutely more than we had season uh, in 2019. I want to say and we had so, nine clean sheets. Uh, so we had seven. Okay. So we had the same number of clean sheets as we did last year. So seven clean sheets, 40 goals allowed both, you know, both of which, you know, seven clean sheets, top half of the, of the USL, uh, goals conceded were in the bottom half of the USL, you know? So defensively, we had a pretty darn good year. Um, I think there was too much inconsistency. Like I said, already, too much inconsistency this year. I'm of the opinion, give Troy one more year. You know, give him next season, see what happens. If we don't make the playoffs next year, then it's time to make a change. But in terms of what we accomplished, you know, first three seasons, the the changes that we made mid-season this year, you know, showed a recognition that, hey, we have to do something different. We have to change it up. We have to improve uh, from where we're at now because we weren't doing well. We weren't performing. And so Troy went out. Yes, he brought back guys we'd have before, but it made a drastic difference in how the club played for the final half of the season. And I feel completely different. I feel that hashtag Troy out is a stupid hashtag for one. Um, Troy is completely sold in on New Mexico. He's completely bought in on New Mexico United. Um, he's a good coach. Do we have the unlucky coin flip? Yes. Um, do we know why? I feel like I hit the nail on the head at the beginning of the podcast. So, Jerry, you have to go back and listen to the beginning of this before you hopped on. Um, I feel... I don't think they give him one more year. I think they give him maybe two just because of next season. So he essentially had year one. Okay. Then we had a COVID year. And then, so this is essentially year one and a half. Uh, I see him at least four years here. Definitely. If we don't make playoffs next year, he's on the hot seat. And if we don't, do anything the year after that, he's gone. Um, so I don't believe in Troy out. I think he plays the four. I think he coaches the four. And then if, if nothing changes and we're still 
sitting here in November, early November, talking about how the season went and what we think we could have did better, uh, then, yeah, I definitely think Troy gets replaced as head coach, but I don't think we get rid of Troy. I think we... I think we consider maybe moving him down to like a scout or something in New Mexico with the academy, something like that, just because of how much he has bought into New Mexico and what actually is going on here. And Jerry, to your, to your point here, NMU finished in fifth place out of the playoffs. Something needs to, be, needs to be changed. We're not disagreeing with you. Changes do need to be made. Changes have already happened. And, but I don't think at this point changing Troy is that answer. You know, we brought in, you know, Coach Heather from UNM uh, Lobo Women, who, who was named Coach of the Year for the second year in a row, by the way. Uh, so, congrats to Coach Heather on that. Um, she's been working with the players and talking to them about different things. And so, we've already seen an impact from her coming in and working with the players and being part of the technical staff. Uh, Itamar Kanan was just, you know, came on as, uh, uh, as the director of player personnel. So this is a guy that was a former scout or I'm sorry, is a scout, former agent, a guy who has scouted and looked at talent for years. And so it's not going to be just Troy looking at talent and bringing talent in and, you know, between Itamar, between the Academy, between, you know, coach Heather and Troy, you know, we've got a lot of different eyes on it now. And so I'm really excited to see what Itamar can bring to his role as a director of player personnel and seeing the contacts that he has. And so I, I don't want to give anything away, but you know, there's something in the works for, for us and, and, and the club. And so I'm really excited to see what Itamar and Heather continue to bring to the club heading into next season. I really want to see what the Academy starts to starts to pump out because we've seen Christian come in and have a positive impact on matches. Now, has he gotten a goal or anything? No, he hasn't done anything like that yet, but he's had, he's been a positive energy, a positive impact on the play. And so changes are already being made. You know, unfortunately, Itamar, you know, he's not going to really going to have an impact until this offseason and heading into next year. And, you know, Heather, we've already seen the impact. We've we've heard from players where she's made an impact in what they're doing already. And so th- those changes are happening. And Troy and Peter have acknowledged, hey, something wasn't working this year. So, um, you know, I, I think there's a lot there and we're going to get so much deeper into all of this as the off season goes on. And, and, uh, and Jerry, that is something we're going to talk about tonight. Um, we're going so to, so just to, just before we move on to yeah. what Jerry wants to talk about, um, it's been the Jerry show tonight anyway, so it's all right. <laughs> um, to touch on that New Mexico United finishing in fifth place and out of the playoffs. <sighs> yeah, we finished in fifth place. Because the team that we needed to win, which was reliable to win almost all the time, I mean, they were 24-0 and at home. They were sitting first place in the Mountain Division. I think they went 22 games undefeated or unbeaten. Um, I know they had a crazy stretch. Sorry if I threw out that number for sure. Um, my bad. 
Um, but we finished fifth, and this is not an excuse for United for sure. Without our forward, without our backup forward, meaning we had to play, like I said earlier, our third string striker who is definitely in his 30s, who didn't get much playing time all year because he was a backup, and I think he accepted that role as a backup and knew it wasn't going to be consistent time all the time. Um, Did I want to see Ilya a lot more than what we did? Of course I did. I, I was high on him last year, last, what was it, December that he got signed of last year? Mm-hmm. Last December, I'm the one that I call, and I will definitely admit, I definitely called him the signing of the offseason. Um, and I own up to that. Was I wrong? Yeah, I was because he was a backup. Um, if only we knew that. But yeah, we finished fifth without two of our top strikers and had to finish the last three games. The last three games without our two strikers. So we had to have midfielders step up into a striking role. We had to have different formations come through, which gave me more hope for Troy. Um, And yeah, I can't wait to see, I can't wait to see Jerry's playoff predictions. <laughs> yeah, we're going to get to all that. We're, we've got that to talk about. We've got, uh, some other things I do have updated scores on our NFL pick them, by the way. Yes. Um, can't wait. That's going to be fun to get, get into. And uh, so I think Earl, you have a one quick question here that you got to answer in the chat. Earl, you think El Paso through the game? Honestly. Okay. So as many of everyone, as, as many people know, Earl is a huge WWE fan. And to quote one Vince McMahon, it's not just a yes, it's an oh hell yes. I definitely think El Paso threw that match because of the scoreline. There's no way RGV puts four on El Paso in a game that El Paso can possibly get the number one seed in the West. And you lose four to one. Knowing that if you guys lose, New Mexico's out. Knowing that New Mexico and El Paso have a deep rivalry. So, yes, Jerry, I do think El Paso through that match. But it's neither here nor there because it is now the offseason for New Mexico United. So we get to rest up and plan for next year. And I get to now focus on my new favorite sport outside of soccer being hockey. <laughs> uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to hear, uh, hear, hear about Earl's hockey obsession as we, as we go through the off season. But uh, yeah, it's uh it's been a long season uh, in New Mexico. You know, we've talked about it. I think enough so far New Mexico United did, of course did not make the playoffs. Um, but I think that's probably the, the less bad news this week 
Um, we were going to originally record last night, uh, but we waited, wanted to wait until the actual election results came in. And the stadium bond here in Albuquerque did get voted down by a significant amount. Um, I won't say that it was close and, you know, going into it, there was a lot of optimism that it was going to be fairly close to a 50, 50 vote. Um, from even from the club, from folks I talked to there. And, you know, I spent a lot of time volunteering for the club and helping uh, spread some information out. And honestly, looking at the results of the election and looking at uh, my personal experience with people in and around the community, I did not expect it to be anywhere near as bad as it was. And last night, New Mexico United did put out a statement uh, at its heart, New Mexico United is a community-driven platform, and we will continue with our mission to unite and uplift our community every single day. We acknowledge the will of the voters in rejecting the city of Albuquerque plan for a city-owned stadium. While United will continue its pursuit of a multi-use facility that will allow us to bring a professional women's soccer team and other community-driven programming to New Mexico, we will not be actively pursuing the proposed sites, including South Broadway and Borellas. United has said from day one that we will only support a location where the local community is behind the project and the stadium can uplift all, not just a few. That work starts immediately. So tough night. Um, you know, I, I know we were, we were optimistic that the bond was going to go in our favor. And uh, as a reminder, if you are with us as just like Jerry does, you can throw your questions and comments in the chat on Facebook and YouTube. Uh, we'd love to get some input here on this topic. Um, you know, the stadium bond got voted down. United moves forward. Uh, it's sounding like it's more than likely going to be a privately funded stadium. Uh, from this point, we don't know exactly. We don't know what the club's plans are. But I, for one, was extremely let down, not only by the outcome of the, of the election in terms of the, of the stadium bond, but I was also let down by the, and when we've talked about, you know, the media coverage here was very anti-stadium from day one, even before the club starting putting out our infographics and things like that. You know, the local media was very anti-stadium and looking at the reaction across social media, even from USL championship supporters cheering and rejo- I almost want to say rejoicing, but cheering on the fact that the, that the bond got voted down. Like, I think that's an absolute disgrace that other USL championship club fans are rooting against a club getting us getting a stadium through public funding. Um, and so I just, you know, I have a hard time accepting this. Like I, I get, we lost a vote, blah, 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 whatever, you know, had this been introduced any other year, had this been introduced last year, it wouldn't have had to go to the voters. If we did it next year, it wouldn't have to go to the voters, but this was important to the club and there was so much misinformation about there. Even earlier on Twitter, I saw someone making a comment saying, well, why don't they just work with UNM? Why don't they just do this? These are things that weren't addressed by local media in any of their coverage of it. 
And so, I don't know. I mean, Earl, what's what's your reaction to first of all the bond not passing, and then to the reaction of folks, especially those who are in the USL community, being happy that the bond didn't pass. So super disheartened that the stadium bond didn't pass. Um, even being in looking at it as an outsider. So say I, did, I wasn't doing this. Say I wasn't writing for the club. Say I wasn't following the club. I've never been to a soccer game. I don't know anything about soccer. I don't know anything about, well, that's not anything different, but uh, I don't know anything about New Mexico United. Any of that. Take all of that out of the picture. Take it to 2018 Earl, where he knows nothing about New Mexico United, nothing about soccer. He doesn't have this flag, this this flag right here hanging up. Sorry, wrong finger. Um, his wall's not plastered with United memorabilia and merchandise and autographs and everything else. I'm still for the stadium because one, it's going to bring revenue to the city. Two, it's going to be something positive for a city who doesn't have much positive going on. And three, it's going to create jobs, which is, as everyone knows, I work for the state. I help people find jobs. So that part sits deep in my heart. Jobs is a big part of what I do for a living. It is what I do for a living. Um, so just those three points right there, I'm for a stadium. Then you throw in the whole aspect now of me being a United fan, me being a media member for the team, and all that other stuff. It just adds to the sweetness of having a stadium. So, yeah, I was definitely disheartened by... The bond failing. Um, now to your second part. And I'm glad Jerry's here because he can vouch for this. I am a sucker when it comes to Facebook arguments. So I have been suckered in to various posts on Facebook or meta, I guess is what it's called now. Um, I've been suckered into posts on social media about the stadium. I have done my due diligence, even though I'm not an Albuquerque resident. I do not live in Albuquerque, so I did not have a vote. Um, but I do still have a voice. So the people that did not know where I work about the stadium bond, I definitely educated them on it. That way they can go vote how they want to, obviously. But at least they're going into it somewhat educated. Um, so there was a couple posts on Facebook. One of my friends put that she voted for a certain mayoral candidate. She voted no for the stadium and voted something else, whatever. I I don't care. Look, you have your vote. I understand. So when I asked her why she voted no, out of curiosity, that was my exact words, out of curiosity, why did you vote no for a stadium? Her exact words, and I quote, Albuquerque already has two stadiums not used year-round. Why do we need a third? That was her reason for voting no, because Albuquerque has two stadiums not used year-round. So I 
facetiously used my cunningness and said, I'm so glad you voted uneducated. Because that's where I get suckered in. Uh, And two, I broke down the fact that, yeah, there are two stadiums in Albuquerque that don't get used year-round. Because one's a baseball team and a baseball stadium, which plays during baseball season. And then there's the UNM football team, who plays during football season in a football stadium across the street. So we're working with both UNM and the Isotopes to make a season happen so we're not stuck on Thursday night playing Thursday night football. And you know, that's actually something that Peter talked about the other night after the after the press conference. Uh, we grabbed Peter uh, and he was talking to Jacob and Allie and myself and, and uh, he's like, you guys are the ones running so much. Loss. Yeah, that's us, you know? <laughs> so, so Peter knows, Peter knows who we are and we're, recognized. Uh, we're good. Yeah. We're recognized. Yeah. We're good, man. You know, but no, and he said like, he hates the, the midweek stuff. Like he would love to see more weekend matches because it's so hard to get people out to midweeks. You know, like they don't right. want to, they don't want to play Monday night football. They don't want to do Wednesday night football. Like, and, and midweeks so, are tough because you want so you're, you're you're New Mexico United, so you're a club for and that's their exact words. You're a club for New Mexico, and New Mexico's culture and New Mexico's citizens and the people of New Mexico, and it's New Mexico's club. But you're expecting someone to drive from Santa Fe on a Monday night at seven p.m. or a Tuesday night at seven p.m. or a Wednesday night at eight o'clock. And then drive back to Santa Fe and go to work the next day? Right. No, it's not going to happen. And it gets even worse where people are driving from Las Cruces, where that's four hours on a Monday night to drive back to Las Cruces to go to work on Tuesday morning at 7 a.m. So, yeah, those uneducated votes are what got us. The misinformed votes are what got us. Um... I really wish people would have did more more research into it. I'm not going to talk bad because the club did put out a post to not talk bad about people who were uneducated voting um, because there is Plan B in motion. Um, I don't know what Plan B is. Well, I know what Plan B is, but I don't know what New Mexico United's Plan B is. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so it's very disheartening that the stadium was voted down. It's more disheartening to see that the reason the stadium was voted down was a majority of misinformed voters or uninformed voters. That's one of the things that's really bothered me the most about it. Because if you look at the way that the media campaign was run, particularly by uh, the major outlets here. I, you know, we're obviously not a major outlet, but you know we do cover the club. We're very pro club. We're pro stadium. Wait, wait, wait. We're, we're not major. I mean, you know, compared to you know the, the source NM, no. But you know, um, I, I, at least when it comes to covering the club, I feel like we. When it comes to covering the club, I feel like we're one of the best sources out there, compared to KOB, KRQ, whatever. But in terms of like their actual coverage of the bond and the information and the way it was out there. Like it was basically from day one, it was construed as bad. And 
no one was reaching out to people like us to come on and talk to them and, and talk about stuff and present the facts as it should be. And, and Jerry, we appreciate that. We appreciate the fact that you didn't vote no um, on the stadium bonding. But would you, you have? Know, great question right there. Um, but, you know, I, there was a guy on Twitter that I was interacting with who was telling me that United was trying to hurt the homeless people of Albuquerque. Like seriously, there was a guy on Twitter telling me that United oh. was was trying to hurt the homeless people. Like people are saying, like all this. So I'm gonna stuff, stop you like, right there. Yeah. Here's here's what bothers me about all the misinformation that's being thrown out there. The fact that so some of the claims or refutes to the stadium bond is use that money for something else. Use that money for homelessness. Use that money for public assistance or police assistance or fucking roads or whatever the hell they're saying. Here's what pisses me off. All of those things, and Jacob, you can vouch for it because you are Albuquerque resident. All of those topics that were brought up were on the freaking ballot. Yep. But it was going to rate, so the stadium... Uh, so the stadium uh, was going to raise taxes, supposedly, which is untrue. Correct. But yet you voted for an APS bond, which raised your taxes $2 per every $1,000. And there was three of those. So you raised your taxes $6 per every $3,000 you make. Or technically $3 or $6 per every $1,000 because it's still a $1,000 tax. So $6 per every $1,000 you make, but you didn't want the stadium to raise taxes, but you voted for stadium for APS to raise their own taxes. APS is going to get over $600 million in funding over the next six years. Exactly. This ballot Uh, alone. But that money should go to someone else. And, and yeah, it's there was just there was so much misinformation. Like United is trying to hurt the homeless people, or this money would be would go to someone else, or this money is going to raise your taxes. And no, like none of this was true. And like people, and like so many people didn't even know about the CBA. People didn't understand what the CBA was. And you know, I, I like I definitely don't think the city lawyer did did anyone any favors by saying that he's never seen a CBA work. But like this CBA had to be in place before any construction could start, which I don't, which nobody understood. And then, you know, on Sunday when I was out canvassing, there was one neighborhood I was in. They said they received an email from their neighborhood association saying that they weren't within the city limits and that they couldn't vote on the stadium. When those residences are within like city council district five or something. I don't remember the exact district number. We um, we looked it up, but you know, the, it was just and, and so you know it, a comment was made to me that that was voter suppression, you know, by an HOA or a neighborhood association or whoever was telling their residents that they couldn't vote on it, which is completely untrue because if you can vote in a city council election, you can vote in Albuquerque metro elections, like you can. So. I guess just like it was just so aggravating and so much misinformation and bad stuff being put out. Like, I I don't think you'll see. I don't think you could find anyone who supported the stadium. Um, 
I don't think you can find anyone who supported the stadium that didn't also support these social programs. And I'm still, I, I said the other day I was going to get some numbers together. I haven't done it yet, but like we have put millions and millions of dollars into homelessness fund and the homelessness and affordable housing over the past decade. And we, we just have dropped put, another 60. We have put millions and millions and millions of dollars into APS, into APD. APD makes up 30% of the city budget. And we just voted to give them another $25 million a year. Like, what good is this, this throwing money at APD if it doesn't fix anything? I think I, I'd have to look at it, but we're probably one of the – I think we're one of the worst cities in the nation in terms of the murder rate. I'm pretty sure we've already broken the record from like two years ago. 109 today. Like it's, it's ridiculous. Like, But throwing money at the problem doesn't fix it. Throwing money at homelessness and low-income housing doesn't fix it. I mean, we need jobs. You know, we need jobs. We need better. We need better education. Now, throwing money at APS is a giant sinkhole too, because the people running APS don't know what to do with the money. Instead of building, uh, you know, a ten million dollar building over on over off Louisiana, put it into the schools we already have. Like there are better things to do with this money that we're throwing at these departments that aren't successful. That so here's aren't helping my, the city. Here's my final take on it. And it's been said on Facebook today before, and I'm going to. So before I get to that, uh, yes, Jerry, the stadium was going to be a big plus for New Mexico United. Um, but unfortunately, you're an El Paso fan. So, yes, you can be relieved that we didn't get it. Um, and I absolutely wholeheartedly hope that you guys get a stadium because I feel like a USL championship team should not be playing in a baseball stadium, even though El Paso is. A rival of ours. Yeah. Exactly. Though, yeah, I would I would support any club. Even though that, Jerry gets on my nerves and tags me in comments that I have nothing to do with and <laughs> and and lets me live rent free in his head. Whatever the case may be, Jerry, it's cool. I understand. We can't all be as cool as Seth. I, I get it. Um even with El Paso being a rival, I want you guys to get a stadium. Because I would love to drive down to that stadium, especially if it's really freaking nice. I would yeah. love to drive down to that stadium and check it out because that's what I do. I went to St. Louis last week. I'm a Nashville SC fan. But yet I had to check out the new St. Louis SC stadium that's being built because that's what I do. I go to different yeah. cities and I check out stadiums. I checked out the the Cardinal Stadium. I'm a Cubs fan. They're interdivisional rivals. Oh yeah. No, I, I, I love fanboy over it every time. I fanboy over it. Oh, I yeah. went to Phoenix. Everyone knows how much I hate Phoenix and the guy that put that post that you tagged me in um or that comment that you tagged me in Jerry um, so God knows how much I hate that city. I was in Phoenix. What did I do? I drove to Phoenix Rising's new stadium just to check it out. I drove to their academy pitch to check it out because that's my thing. Stadiums. I freaking love stadiums. Yeah. Oh, I, I love stadiums too. And like, you know, I've been to several different, you know, MLB ballparks. And like, you know, I've been to Boston, you know, uh, Boston, Arizona, and a few others. And like, 
I would love to go to Shea Stadium. I know I don't think it's there anymore, but you know, I would love to go there. I would love to go to Wrigley Field. I would love to go to Coors Field. Like I want to see these places. And like you know, I Jerry, travel I, to <clears throat> visit to go to wrestling mm-hmm. all over the country because I love checking out the new stadiums. I've been in the new Allegiant Stadium where they, it's the only stadium in the NFL with freaking air conditioning. Jerry, you know, if you guys did get a stadium first, I don't give a shit. I don't give a shit if El Paso gets a stadium first. Like, I want you guys to get a stadium. Yeah, exactly. I'm on board with you, man. I want you guys to have a stadium. Yeah, all these USL championship clubs that haven't been able to get one, that that need one, that are playing in baseball stadiums, that are playing at Lucas Oil Stadium, shit like that. Like, I want these clubs to get stadiums because it looks better for the league as a whole. It looks better for these clubs, and it just it looks fantastic. Like. These that clubs deserve is, places to call their home. Even and, above that, though, it allows that that team, that club, a place to call home that's not a baseball mm-hmm. stadium. So right now, and I'm sure, Jerry, you can vouch for this, El Paso Locomotive have to work with the El Paso Chihuahuas to have a season. Because that's what it is. You guys are playing in the El Paso Chihuahuas Stadium so you guys have to talk to El Paso Chihuahuas first in order to have even a game. That shouldn't happen in a pro sport. You shouldn't have to beg another team. Excuse me. You shouldn't have to beg another team to have a game because they want to play a game first. That's not how pro sports go. Pro sports is your pro team. You have your own stadium. That's my that's my soapbox. I'm jumping off of it. That's for sure. I uh, Jerry Jerry's comment here. To be honest, I didn't see it that way. I guess I let the rivalry prime me for a second. Look, we're all for the rivalry. Like we are. Like we. There's nothing wrong with rivalry. Like we get that rivalries are necessary in sports. But like I wouldn't begrudge anybody getting a stadium for their club. Like I'm gonna throw my my weight and support behind any club that's seeking to build themselves a stadium, privately yeah. funded, publicly funded, whatever. I don't, you know, like I don't care. Get, if build yourselves Obama's a home for it. Yeah, I don't care if Obama's paying for it. I want you guys to have a stadium. I want any team to have their own stadium. I don't care if I'm paying for the damn thing. If you need help paying <laughs> for it, call me. I got ten bucks. I'll give you ten bucks, man. Like I will definitely put my time into it. Yeah. So, all right. I think we've talked enough about the stadium bond. Yeah. Um, talk about our football scores. I'm done talking. We'll, we'll see what happens in the coming weeks and months as far as terms for plan B for, from the club in terms of a stadium and what happens with that. Let's um, see how many points are dropped. We'll, we'll get, the, we're going to, we're going to get to the NFL scores here in just a second. But before we do, we do have one last bit of USL stuff to get through. The USL championship playoffs do begin on Friday. And the USL Championship has staggered the kickoff times, which is absolutely fucking fantastic. Thank you, USL Championship, for doing that. It's about and time. So, I know, right? God, it's about time that you staggered the kickoff times so we can watch every single match. Thank you, USL. Um, anyway, matches kick off Friday night at 9.30 p.m. Eastern time. First match up, El Paso and Oakland. And uh, we're going to run through our picks here. Uh, we'll, get, we'll get Jacob's picks off the air and uh, we'll see who uh, has the better bracket at the end of this. 
And hopefully Jacob will get us scores on our uh, lineup pick them too. So we can figure out who got, who's going to get a kit. So um, anyway, Earl. And we're, we're not going to go in depth on these. We're not going to like discuss them. We're just going to call them out. Just call them out. El Paso and Oakland. El Paso. Yeah, I see El Paso winning this one. I don't know scoreline, but I'm going to go El Paso to beat Oakland. All right, next up, uh, we'll, we'll just go straight down the line here. Saturday night, 11-6, the uh, Pacific 2, Mountain 3, Orange County, Colorado Springs. This is at 10 o'clock p.m. Eastern time uh, on Saturday. Fuck you, Colorado Springs, Orange County. Wow, really? Okay. Um, I think Colorado's a better team. I really I do. They are too, but because they're stupid posts that they put on Friday night or Saturday night, um, fuck you, Orange, fuck, fuck you, Colorado Springs, Orange. <laughs> All right. Uh, I do hope Hodge Berry scores like 18 in that game. Hope Hodge Berry scores 18, but they lose. Okay. Yeah. I mean, Orange County's got to score like 19 at 19. least, right? Yeah. Okay. All right, next up in the Western Conference, San Antonio and San Diego Mountain 2 Pacific 3. This is on Friday night at 9 o'clock Eastern Time. Oh, those aren't really staggered at all. Fuck you, USL. How dare you? <laughs> I thought they were really staggered more than that. Staggered by like 10 minutes. Half an hour, stagger. Anyway, San Antonio, San Diego. Who you got? San Diego. Okay. All right, Earl's got San Diego. I'm actually going to go San Antonio on this one. Home match for San Antonio, I believe. Uh, they are the higher seed. San Antonio has played pretty well down the stretch. They've come a little bit better, so I'm going to go San Antonio. Earl's got San Diego. All right, and then the Friday night finale, 10.30 p.m. Eastern, uh, Phoenix and RGV. Phoenix. Yeah. I don't see RGV taking this one. So both going to go Phoenix here. Jerry, let's see or Jerry. Jerry's got El Paso over Oakland 4-0. Colorado over Orange County 3-1. San Antonio losing to San Diego 2-3-2. We'll get his Phoenix score here in just a second. All right, so that finishes out the first round. Uh, well, the Western Conference quarterfinals, I should say. Phoenix 4-1 over RGV. There you go. All right, not bad. All right, over to the Eastern Conference. Sad, this one starts 11-6. So, again, Saturday night, Tampa Bay Rowdies at Tulsa. Tampa. Tampa. All right, Earl's got Tampa. I'm going to go Tampa as well. Uh, next up, Birmingham and Pittsburgh. This is one I don't know much about. Uh, let's go Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. All right, Earl's going Pitt. You know, I said something earlier in the season about Pittsburgh being quite possibly one of the better teams coming out of the out of the East. Um, they didn't quite end up where I thought they were going to, but I think Birmingham beats Pittsburgh here. So I'm gonna go Birmingham. All right, Charlotte and Memphis. 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 Okay. Memphis nine oh one. Earl going with the upset there. Uh, Jerry's got Tampa over Tulsa, Pittsburgh on PKs. Uh, I'm going to go Charlotte. I like Charlotte in this matchup here. And then the Eastern Conference 
quarterfinal finale, Loose City against Miami FC. The Miami FC. <laughs> Get it right, you son of a bitch. Yeah, well, who cares? Either way, the score will be the Louisville. All right, yep, Loose City, absolutely. Jerry's got Charlotte over Memphis. All right. All right, so looking at our second round here. So, Earl, you would have El Paso against Orange County. Who do you have advancing to the Western Conference Finals? Uh, why do I got to do this to myself, El Paso? El Paso, all right. And Jerry's got Louis City 4-0 over Miami. El Paso, I had El Paso over Colorado. I think Colorado takes this one. I think they do. So I'm going to go Colorado over El Paso. All right. Uh, so that's uh, half of it there. Earl, you had, San, you had San Diego over San Antonio. So San Diego and Phoenix. San Diego. There's the upset. Really? Yeah. Wow. San Diego over Phoenix. Okay. I do believe they beat Phoenix in the regular season. We can look that up. We can absolutely look that up. All right. Jerry's got uh, El Paso advancing over Colorado, Phoenix over San Diego. And while we're looking this up here. All right. Um, <clears throat> I had San Antonio and Phoenix. I'm going to go Phoenix over San Antonio. Harry, appreciate you, but I just don't see San Antonio being enough for for Phoenix. All right, Earl, add it back to the east. You had Tampa and do, 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 do. Pit, Pittsburgh. Tampa. Tampa, okay. I had Tampa and Birmingham. I'm going to go Tampa over Birmingham. And then you had uh, Memphis over Charlotte, and then Loose City over the Miami FC. So Memphis and Loose City, who do you got? Loose City. Lou, all right. So 2-0 Tampa over Pittsburgh. So your my answer to Phoenix and San Diego, mm-hmm. um, Phoenix beat San Diego 1-2-0. Two, Uh, two. They should have played, played what three times, four times, three, three. So, yeah. Phoenix beat San Diego three times. Okay, and you're still taking San Diego or Phoenix. All right. Hey, I don't even know which season I'm in anymore. I'm gonna be fucking honest. Because <laughs> the way they have it is April or March, April, July, August, September, October, November, April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November. What the heck? Oh, so I'm looking at Phoenix. Let me go to San Diego. That'll make more sense. All right. So San Diego opened this. Uh, San Diego and Phoenix opened the season against each other. Phoenix won that one four one. Second time out, they drew two two. Third time out, San Diego will beat Phoenix two one. And the fourth time, Phoenix beat San Diego one nil. San Diego. All right. So that all right. Then the I had Charlotte over 
Memphis and Lou City. I'm going to go Lou City over Charlotte. Let's see. Jerry, Lou, 3-1 over Memphis. I think so, Jerry. I think so. Here, I think Colorado does beat El Paso in El Paso. Um, I believe that that season was, I believe the season was what, three draws and then one win for El Paso. I think that's the way that went for them. Um, but yeah, I think so. I, I think Colorado is one of the few teams that could potentially do that. All right, so then, Earl, your Western Conference final will be El Paso against San Diego. San Diego. <laughs> wow. Okay, so you've got San Diego going to the USL Championship. Yep. Oh, I'm aware, Jerry. I'm aware. I'm aware they haven't lost since last season at home. All right, and then uh, so it has to come to an end eventually. So, yes, San Diego beats El Paso in El Paso in the Blue Waffle. <laughs> Jerry, what do you think is more more reasonable, San Diego beating El Paso or Colorado beating El Paso? That's the real question. <laughs> uh, so, all right, then my my Western Conference final is uh, Colorado and Phoenix. Jerry is going to take El Paso over Phoenix. And then I'm going to say Phoenix over Colorado. Of course he is. Yeah. So my question is, if it's El Paso and Phoenix, where is it played? Um, I, Let me double check that. I believe that will get played in Phoenix. El Paso? That'd be in Phoenix. Oh, because they're the higher seed. Yeah, Phoenix has a – oh, Phoenix is on 67 points. Yeah. Yeah, because they're the one, and then El Paso is technically number two. And so, yeah, Jerry has got he's got Lou City over Tampa. All right, so over to the Eastern Conference, Eastern Conference final. Uh, Earl, you had Tampa and Lou City. Uh, I set myself up on this one. Lou City. Okay. All right, then I had Tampa and Loose City as well. I'm going to go uh, Loose City. All right, so USL Cup final. Earl, you have San Diego and Loose City. Uh, you may as well just write this. Up. I'm going San Diego on this one. Yeah. Earl is taking San Diego to win it all. All right. So yeah. Jerry would have El Paso and and uh, Lou City, and then where would that match? I want to know what he said on that one. That, that match will be played in El Paso. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, I just might go to an El Paso match. Uh, Jerry, if I'm if I believe, I believe I'm correct, El Paso would have the home in that match. Because El Paso does have more points on the season. No, he he's talking about the Phoenix El Paso yeah. match. No, he said uh, El Paso El Paso versus Louisville. Oh yeah, I I can't get this stupid thing off my screen. That's why. Oh, okay. Oh, there it goes. There we go. There we go. Yeah, that that should be El Paso at home. Yeah, because Lou City is the overall three. 
All right. I've got my final is Lou City and Phoenix. Then I'm going to go Lou. I'm going to say, oh, God. Lou City over Phoenix. I'm okay with that. Jerry says, if it's in El Paso, then El Paso will beat Lou City 3-1. Hey, Jerry, so if if the final is in El Paso, um, are we invited to, like, your barbecue? <laughs> if it's in Louisville, then Louisville 3-2 over El Paso. All right. All right. Well, there we have it. There are our USL championship playoff predictions. We'll see what happens. Earl going bold, bold, having San Diego winning it all. Yep. That's going to be interesting. I can't wait to watch the game this weekend. I, I wish they were staggered. I really do. The finals here, we all go into the state. And that'll be fun, man. That would be fun. What's the date on that? What's the date on the final? Do we have that? I think we do. I think it's on the. Yeah, I think it's on the, the bracket. It actually isn't. The only dates it has listed on the bracket are the uh, are the quarterfinals. Of course. Yeah. So USL, that's why. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Conference quarterfinals, uh, November 5th through 7th. Conference semifinals, November 12th through 14th. Conference finals, November 19th through the 21st. Then the USL the finals are 28th. November 28th. Yeah, that's on the thing at 6.30 Mountain okay. Time. Uh, Jerry, if, you fucker. If, if that does end up in El Paso, if that final does end up in El Paso, I could go to that. I could too. I'm definitely game. Um, my question, though, is if the final is in El Paso, we all know Jerry's having a barbecue. Are we invited? <laughs> there we go. The real question, Jerry. You gonna have us over if we come down? Yeah, are you gonna like welcome us into El Paso? <laughs> real talk right there. But uh as Jerry is making up his mind as to whether or not he'll let Earl <laughs> cross into his property, uh, we do have an update on our NFL pick'em uh so this week, I tried to go with some yes. different questions here. Uh, I love you, Jerry. Yeah, man, we're almost done. We're almost done here. So uh, questions this week. Question number one, do the Browns get hundred more than 110 rushing yards? Jacob and Earl said yes. Tyler and I both said no. Tyler and I pick up a point. Uh, question number two, over under Denver versus Washington football team. The over under was set at 44 and a half. Everyone except for Tyler said under, and that game was a shit show. Uh, everyone picked up a point except for Tyler. Uh, pick them, straight, straight pick them, Seattle versus Jacksonville. Everyone went Seattle. Everyone gets a point. Uh, more receiving yards, C.D. Lamb or Justin Jefferson. I was actually surprised by this one, given the fact that Dak Prescott did not play. But uh, C.D. Lamb did have more receiving yards. So, Earl, you and I both picked up a point there. Jacob and Tyler both went Justin Jefferson. Uh, would Patrick Mahomes in question number five, Patrick Mahomes rating of greater than 100.105? No, he did not. He had a rating QB rating of like 76. Um, yeah. So Earl and I, Earl, you and I both picked up a point there as well. Jacob and Tyler said yes and did not get a point. 
See, I said no. So Patrick Mahomes is my starting quarterback on my fantasy football league. (laughs) So I had the inside source. And I guess my question is who had the better QBR? Baker Mayfield or Pat Mahomes? Uh, probably Baker this week, but I did not look at his stats. Um, yeah. Speaking of fantasy, my, my one of the leagues I'm in, the waiver wire doesn't run until tomorrow morning, which I think is absolutely stupid. And I have to, I have Tom Brady on a bye this week, and uh, my backup is Jameis Winston. Well, you know who you don't pick up? Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, don't pick up Aaron Rodgers this week. That's right. Don't pick up Pat Mahomes either. Um. No, nah, I might just pick up that guy off the Jets. Mike White. <clears throat> yeah, that could be fun. That could be a lot of fun. But anyway. So he he used to be on the Cowboys, by the way. Yes, yes, I know. And he didn't he did nothing there, if I'm correct. No. So. No. Okay. No, no. And then uh, our bonus question this week, who we're I changed it up a little bit. I said uh I want us to pick the game five winner of the World Series. Earl went Astros, everyone else went Braves, so Earl picks up two points. So that <laughs> yes. that this week lead. No, it doesn't. What? No, you're not in the lead. <laughs> what the shit? <laughs> Jacob and Tyler both picked up two points, putting them on 28 now. Earl, you picked up six points, which puts you at 29. I picked up five points, which puts me at 30. Oh, you go to hell, you son of a bitch. <laughs> so I am currently leading the uh, pick on. heading into week number nine. Uh, you and I have definitely come on stronger the last couple weeks. So that's where we stand uh, in our pick em. But uh, anyway, thank you guys so much for being here. If you popped into, into the show, appreciate you being here. As always, throw your questions and comments in the chat anytime we are live. Jerry, thank you so much for interacting with us. Some great questions, great comments tonight. Great discussion. And uh, – we are all looking forward to watching the USL Championship playoffs starting Friday night uh, with El Paso and Oakland Roots. Uh, can't wait to see what happens. It's going to be a lot of fun. Long off season. We're still going to bring you guys content. Um, if not, we'll probably do every week through the end of the playoffs, and then uh, we might go every other week after. I don't know. We'll figure that all that out. But thank you guys so much for being here. For Earl and myself, for Jacob, who can't be here tonight, Thank you guys so much. We appreciate each and every one of you. And until next time, Somos Unidos. You've been listening to Somos Unidos, your source for the latest news and notes on New Mexico United and weekly discussions from around the world of sports. Each episode is recorded live on Tuesday nights on our YouTube channel and goes live on podcast platforms around the world later in the week. Our show is written and produced by Seth Bedoff, Jacob Terrell, and Earl Nieto, and is edited by Seth. All episodes are recorded and edited using Zencaster and Audacity.